All right, all right. So again, welcome to Journey Church. Let's pray. God, as we look into your word today, as I try to dutifully share what best I, how best I can what you have uh, for us to hear today, may we have open hearts, open minds, and just speak to us, God. This is not about me. This isn't between me and these people sitting here. This is between you and them. May we hear from you. May we um, listen to you. May we surrender to you. May we rest in your love and in your power. May we rest in your divine nature. May we never, ever, ever, ever lose the awe and wonder of who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're yet to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so again, here we go. My name is Grant. I'm, I get to share with you today, and I'm, I'm honored to do so. I'm going to try to rightly divide what I believe God has asked me to share today, and, uh, and best I can. So the, today's sermon is, it is well. But before we go there, let's talk about New Year's resolutions, shall we? I'm usually not a New Year's resolution guy. This is not a New Year's resolution. In case you're wondering, this is not the new dress code at Journey Church. This is just for today. And I, I sent a picture of Jonathan and myself to Aaron. And he's like, I knew I shouldn't have left you guys in charge. <laughs> but anyway, so this is, just, uh, this is just a one-time thing, if you will. I mean, not a one-time thing. But anyway, so I'm usually not much of a New Year's resolution kind of guy. Uh, one thing I'm going to try to do more so than ever before is live my life like Jesus. And one thing, uh, the Gospel of John in chapter 1, when it's talking, speaking of Jesus, it says Jesus was full of grace and truth. Both. So as I share today what I feel God wants me to share, there's going to be some hard truth. Feels like a hard word, but I'm going to try best I can in my humanness to bathe it in grace, grace and truth. Another, another New Year's resolution. I was recently at a funeral um, up the hill here at Family Life. Pat, my friend Pastor Marty was officiating, and w what he said really struck me. I don't know that it's probably not original to him, but that's the first time I'd heard it at a funeral. Pastor Marty says this: "Live." your life in such a way that the pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, right? Live your life in such a way that the pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. That just hit me. Obviously, it spoke to a couple of you. So that's my New Year's resolution, if I had one. Live my life in such a way that when it's my time to be the dude in the casket, they don't have to stand up here and lie. So, today's title, It Is Well. But maybe it should have been reworded. Is it well? Is it well? Is God good? God is good, right? All the time. All the time, God is good. It's easy to say. It's easy to say it is well. It's harder when life is hard. Um, I'm going to share a few stories today. 
Memories of mine from my time in Cheyenne, Wyoming. My wife and I were blessed to serve in Cheyenne, Wyoming between 2007 and 2015. So I'm going to share a few stories from our time, our time there, starting with this. Um, my wife was in a Bible study with a group of Christian ladies uh, from one of our churches there one Saturday afternoon, and Saturday morning, I should say. And this younger gal shows up, again, at this Christian women's Bible study, and she's all excited. She's just giddy as can be. Out, you're obviously excited. What's what's going on? They they accepted the offer on our home. We got a new home. God is good. And my wife, in her boldness and honesty and truth, she said, "God is good whether you got the home loan or not. God is still good." Now, my wife never shared that story with me, but a friend of ours shared it with me because it obviously impacted her. God is good, no matter what. God is good. God is good. What about, in this, in this setting, is God good? Is God good at the, at the wedding? Is God good at the wedding? Is God good when that is the celebration going on? Yes, God is good. How about then? How about this? It's coming. Maybe. Did it go away? What's that? Yeah. How about then? Is God good then? Okay. Now, this is hard. Okay. I know there's people sitting here that have lost someone way too soon or way, way too soon or even way, 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 way too soon. But friends, God is still good. God is still good. It's easy to say God is good at a wedding. Well, most weddings, right? It's, right, well, just saying. It's not as easy to say God is good in that setting. Unless, of course, this individual has lived, followed Jesus. We know they love Jesus. We know that they followed Jesus for decades upon decades, and it was time for them to go home. That's actually a very rare part of the story. Years ago, Cheyenne, Wyoming again, I got, I got, I got asked to preach at First Baptist Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I was friends with all the pastors in Cheyenne, so occasionally they'd, they'd come, had, me, had me come in and preach and, you know, give them a uh, break, if you will. So years ago, I'm preaching in this very suit, actually, First Baptist Church, and I had a lot of friends there. I had like 12 friends there, Joe and Mary, Alex and Marty, Brett and Tasha, like on and on I could go. That wasn't that long ago. Half of those people that I mentioned, there was probably 12 friends of mine, personal friends, like personal friends, like in my small group, etc. Half of them are gone. Half of them are already with Jesus. There's no way that fits my story. There's no way that fits my God is good all the time story. But he's still good. I'm actually wearing this tie in honor of one of those friends I speak of. Years ago, he gave me this tie. 
God is good, people. God is good. So I'm trying to be as best I can. I know there's people in here that have lost someone way too soon. I get it. Or this year could bring something like that. God is still good. I know it hurts. I'm not diminishing the pain. Please understand that at all. I'm trying to be sensitive to that. But people, God is good all the time. Again, it doesn't always make sense to us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. God has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God has made everything beautiful in his time. So years ago, there was a guy named, a pastor, is a guy, is a pastor, I should say, by the name of David Platt. And he, probably 15 years ago now, he wrote a book called Radical. Some of you maybe read it. An amazing book. Totally a wake-up call for the American Christian Church. Total wake-up call. Um, the book was called Radical. The subtitle was Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. I'll say that again. Taking Back Your Faith from the American dream. And people, I, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm not here to criticize or condemn or shame or guilt. I love living in America. I do. I love the comforts of life. I do. I love the freedoms we have. I do. I do. I'm not here to condemn any of that. But, if we're, but friends, if we're flying any flag higher than the flag of Jesus, we're flying the wrong flag. Jesus and him alone. Taking back your faith from the American dream. You know, in God's kingdom calendar, let's say, let's say the, the, the earth is 6,000 years old, give or take, okay? So that's God's kingdom calendar from, be, from beginning till today. In that span of those 6,000 years, God could have put me and you anywhere in there. Anywhere. But he has us right here right now for such a time as this right like I could have been born a thousand years ago and I would have known I wouldn't have known any different right but I wasn't in God's providence in God's wisdom in, in, in God's sight if you will he has me right here right now and you too and he has me asking you is God good and he has, has me asking you is it well with your soul? And if it's not, why? I really don't know where this nation's going. I don't. I know we have an election coming up. I know there's a lot of chaos over that. I know there's a lot of things going on in this country. We're having conversations I never, ever thought we'd have inside the church and outside the church. I know there's a lot of hate. I know there's a lot of anger. I know there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of pollution. God is still good. God isn't up the ring in his hands going, whew, I hope this works out. It's going to work out, people. It might not just work out how the we want it to work out, but God is still good. Have I built my life on the firm foundation that is Jesus? Have I built my life on the rock that is Jesus? 
Am I ready? Am I willing to go through whatever God has for us? John 16, 33. Jesus has told us it's going to happen. I have told you this so that you may have peace in me, says Jesus. Here on earth, you will have many trials and you will have many sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You are going to go through stuff, people. You're going to. Jesus tells you you're going to. But he has overcome the world. Amen to that. So what do I do? Have faith. Faith. Have faith. So we're going to be, I'm going to be preaching out of Hebrews 11 and 12. So if you brought a Bible or have it on your phone and you want to go there and kind of follow along, I'm going to share a lot of scripture. Some of it's going to be up, some of it's not. But Hebrews chapter 11, commonly called the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11, 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old get, earned a good reputation. So I'm going to share a few scriptures from uh, Hebrews 11. Verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as in his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Verse 11, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore, there's no way to count them. Verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Verse 32, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, the faith of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Then, as chapter 11 goes, it goes to verse 35, and it simply calls this group of people the others, so many to list that didn't take the time to list their names. They're simply called the others. It's a pretty good list to be on, but no, not comfortable or fun, but yet a good list. The others, 
But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons, and some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing sheepskins and goats, skins, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. Now, here comes the hard part. Here comes the part that's hard for me to wrap my brain around, and it might be hard for us to wrap our brain around. Because God is good, right? God has our best in mind, right? It is well with my soul. Verse 39. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised on this side of eternity. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. How does that work? Wait a minute, God, I thought you promised me. You might not see it this side of eternity. And I know that's hard. That's really, really hard. Verse 13, same theme. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on this earth. All of these people in Hebrews 11 died without seeing all that God had promised on this, on this side of eternity. And I know that's a hard word. And I know that doesn't fit my theology. But it should. It needs to. Because that's what the Bible says. I may not this side of eternity see all that God has promised me. If you have somebody you've been praying for, if you have a wayward child, if you have a spouse that doesn't know Jesus, a child, whatever it is, keep on praying. Do not give up. If you have somebody you're praying for healing, etc., I go on and on. I could list quite the list. You may not see it this side of eternity. And I know that's hard. But that doesn't mean God isn't good. God is good, people. God is good. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance, in, with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Easier said than done, I know. You're going through a storm of life, whatever it is. Medically, financially, physically, emotionally, whatever the storm is, I know it's raging. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects 
our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides, beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful, peop- from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 12, encouragement. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so those that are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Be encouraged, people. God is good. God is good. But the Bible also tells us we have an enemy, right? An enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion. In, in, in Peter, it tells us, and it, again, the Bible tells us, wake up, wake up, wake up. It says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. So again, we're warned. We're told it's going to happen. And when it does happen, why are we so offended? Why does our reaction tend to be like, well, how rude? How dare he do that? But it tells us he's going to. But it also tells us that God is greater. That God shall overcome. That we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Luke chapter 12 You know how to interpret the weather signs of earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret these present times. Again, God's not up there going like this, like hope things that turn out in America like like, like everybody hopes they will. God's not doing that. And we shouldn't be either. Be aware, yes. Be aware of what's going on, yes, absolutely. But do not despair. Be aware, but do not despair. Wake up. Wake up. Preaching to myself. John 16, 33. Again, here we go. I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Again, same scripture. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So back to, back to Hebrews. In, in the end of Hebrews, we have a warning and we have a promise. We have a warning And we have a promise. Again, grace and truth. God is telling us to wake up. God is telling us to build our life on the rock. Hebrews 12, 25. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one, capital O, one, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. So whatever God's laying on your heart today, 
be careful that you do not refuse to listen. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the whole earth. But now God makes another promise. Here's the warning. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. So only the unshakable things will remain. This all is going to be shaken. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to go through persecution. I don't want to see my family persecuted. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to see the economy crash. I don't want to see chaos in the streets. I don't want to see any of that. But I'm ready. Hopefully. I'm willing. And even in the middle of it, God is still good. We're told everything you see will be shaken. But here's the promise. Verse, Hebrews 12, 28. Here is an amazing promise. If we are believers, if we are Christians, if we have surrendered our life to Jesus, we are a Christian and we belong to the kingdom, capital K, kingdom. Here's the promise. We are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. In the midst of all this shaking, in the midst of all this chaos, whatever it is, all the noise, all the pollution that is 2024 in the United States, we, as sons and daughters of the one true king, we have received and will receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Let us worship God with holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. So does that make you nervous and uneasy? Or is that like, praise God? We are receiving a kingdom that cannot and will not be shaken. All of this will soon pass away. All of it. But we are inheriting a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So, in closing today, I'm going to share a little story. about a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Maybe you haven't heard of him. Chances are, if you've been around a church at all, you've heard the hymn, It Is Well. Horatio wrote the hymn, It Is Well. And I knew a little bit of the story. I knew a little bit of the story. But I was researching that to, uh, this week for this sermon uh, straight off of Wikipedia. Okay? So here's the story 
of a, of a gentleman that lived back in the 1870s, Horatio Spafford. It is well with my soul, also known as When Peace Like a River, is a hymn penned by hymnist Horatio Spafford and composed by Philip Bliss, first published in the Gospel Hymns Number no. 2 by Ira Sankey and Bliss in 1876. 1876, one of the most enduring and endearing hymns we've ever read, sang, right? It is well. Here's a little bit of the backstory. This really struck me. This hymn was written after traumatic events in Spafford's life. The first was the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, which ruined him financially. He had been a successful lawyer and had invested significantly in property in the area of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the Great Fire. Challenge number one. His business interests were further hit by the economic, the economic downturn of 1873, at which time he had planned to travel to England with his family on the way to help D.L. Moody's upcoming evangel evangelistic campaigns. In a late change of plans, he sent his family ahead while he was delayed on business concerning the zoning problems following the Great Chicago Fire. While crossing the Atlantic Ocean, his wife and kids, the ship they were, they were on, sank rapidly after a collision with another sea vessel, and all four, all four of Spafford's daughters died. His wife alone survived and sent him the now famous telegram, Saved Alone. Shortly thereafter, as Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write these words as his ship passed near where his daughters had died. Thus, the hymn, It Is Well. That really struck me. Here's what really struck me. Okay, so he's a successful businessman, right? Doing well in business. Great Chicago fire. He's ruined financially. Then more challenges. He's ruined, even more ruined financially. Perhaps he'd worked his whole life for this. Gone like that. In an instant, gone. In spite of that, he chose to go help D.L. Moody, one of the most famous evangelists in the world. He chose on purpose to go help him. And on that voyage, his daughters died. How does that work? How, does that, how can that be God's plan for my life? Are you kidding me, God? I've been through all of this chaos and this conflict, and I'm, I'm ruined financially, all this stuff, and yet I still want to serve you, so I'm still going to go serve this, help this great evangelist. And my daughters die? How does that fit? Yet, in the midst of that pain and that loss and that sorrow, he wrote, It is well with my soul. 
wow, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I have that much faith. I don't know if I could do that. I've been through stuff. You've been through stuff. We've all been through stuff, right? Most of it, the heavy stuff we would have never signed up for, right? He would have never signed up for that. But yet here he is. It is well with my soul. Wow. How inspiring. So that's how we're going to end today. We're going to play the lyrics of it as well. You're going to hear people singing. And we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you, is it well with your soul? And if it's not, who, please. This isn't between me and you. I'm just a dude. This is between you and God. And if it's not well with your soul today, please do business with God. So however you feel led, we're going we're gonna to play the song. If you feel led to stand in worship, if you feel led to sit in worship, if you feel led to get on your face, if you want to come forward, you want to come up for prayer, whatever the Spirit is leading, please be careful to listen to the one who's speaking. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to play this song. God, may we be able to say it as well. May we be able to say you are good because you are. You are good. You are the great I am. You are sitting on the throne. None of this has caught you off guard. None of this surprises you. And God, I know there's hearts in here that are hurting today. I know there are. And I pray for them, God. Speak to their hearts. Minister to their hearts. May, may these words of this song be balm to their souls. May this feel like a, a cup of cold water to their souls, God. But God, if there's also anybody in here wrestling with, with you, you're, they're wrestling with you, it is not well with their soul. May today be the day of salvation. May today be the day of surrender. May they leave here being able to say, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name, amen.
careful not to refuse to listen to God as he speaks. Don't rush out of here if you feel led to stay and worship, stay and let God speak to your heart. Please do so. He's he's speaking. This, again, this is between you and him. This has nothing to do with me. I'm just a dude, right? If it is not well with your soul today, please do work with the Lord. Please. It is worth it. It is worth it. Otherwise, thanks for joining us. Go in peace.